preacher was preaching at uh, 1230 and somebody in the back said, isn't he done preaching yet? Oh, he said he quit preaching a half hour ago. He hasn't quit talking yet. <laughs> Preachers have a way to keep, to keep going. The uh, preacher was preaching one, one Sunday on all, on all the characters of the Bible. And at 1.30 in the afternoon, he got to Daniel. And he said, now here we come to Daniel. What are we going to do with Daniel? And one of the deacons stood up and said, preacher, he can have my place. I've got to go. <laughs> So I'll, I'll try to be somewhat respectful of time limitations, if, 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 if I might. Um, this, this, this idea of the fact that the Lord Jesus is, now get this, the Lord Jesus is not only our Savior. He's more than that. He's our Creator. All things were made by Him. And apart from him, nothing that exists has come into being. He is our creator. Now, if he's our creator, then secondly, he's become our redeemer to buy us back and to get us back out of the mess we've found ourselves in because of sin. And so when we deal with the matter of, of, of sanctification... This idea that, that everything exists from God, everything, can, everything continues existence through God, and everything has its consummation in God. And if that's true, the only right way to live is for the glory of God, completely. It's to live all of life for the glory of God, not half of it. And this idea of sanctification is not being better than somebody else. It's not a standard of righteousness by which we measure our, our, our spirituality. I'm more spiritual than you. You do this and I don't do this. That, 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 that's the, the whole thing is, is about the fact that our entire life, every dynamic of life is devoted to divine purpose. Everything has design. Everything that has design has purpose. And that means that every dynamic of my life, doesn't matter whether it's social or biological or doesn't matter financial, everything has divine purpose. Everything. God creates nothing without divine purpose. And sin takes that which has been created for divine purpose and it places it into the kingdom of darkness. And we've been talking about two kingdoms. We, we, we're going to live in one of these two kingdoms. And we, we, we are living in, in a sense, now don't misunderstand me, we're living in a sense in a kingdom of darkness. The, 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 the devil is the god of this world. But that doesn't mean that our life is governed by the kingdom of darkness. We can be light shining in a dark place. And that's what we are to be, lights shining in a dark place. <clears throat> I just uh, closed my Bible up this week. I finished reading all three sections of the Bible. I read them all the way through, and now I'm starting again. So I'm starting in Genesis 1, and I'm starting in Job, and I'm starting in Matthew. So yesterday I started in Genesis, Genesis 1 again.
And I looked through that thing and I said, wow, what a story. What a story this thing is. That God is putting something together. It comes, listen, it came out of his own heart and mind. All of it. All of this. Everything that exists has come out of the heart and mind of God. And everything that is in his best condition, what, what is your greatest need? People usually think of their greatest need in terms of their greatest felt need. Physical healing, financial help, relational problems. Our greatest need is for our life to fulfill divine purpose. It's, it's interesting, the message I brought up at the conference had to do with, with trials. And when you get into Job, I'm sorry, in, into James 1, all trials have an intended, good, divine outcome. They are painful, they are hard, they are difficult, but they are for divine purpose. And the most important thing that can happen to you in your trial today is for God's divine purpose to be fulfilled. If they told me today I have cancer, my most important goal is not to get rid of the cancer. My important, the most important thing in my life will be for God to fulfill his divine purpose in my getting cancer. Did you get that? It's not important for us to get rid of our trials. It is important for God's divine purpose to be fulfilled in all of the things through which we go. Because there isn't one thing through which we go that doesn't have divine purpose if we are walking with God. Is that true? All God causes, God works all things together. I'm trying, I'm getting to the Greek text. God works all things together for good. Not some things, all things. God works all things together for good to those who love God and they're called according to his purpose, 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 purpose. We need to be aware in every situation in life, every dynamic of our life has divine purpose. Eating and drinking does. Cleaning the house does. Washing the clothes. Going on vacation. Going to work. Going to school. Every dynamic of life has divine purpose. And if it doesn't, don't do it. Don't do it. Things you can't do with divine purpose. You can't get drunk with divine purpose. You can't do drugs with divine purpose. Anything that can legitimately be done needs to be done for divine and And when, now hear me, when it's done for divine purpose and with divine purpose in mind, it results in the glory of God. And my greatest personal need and your greatest personal need in life is the glorification of God. That's your greatest need. Because if God is glorified, everything else will be in place. For good. For good. James emphasizes that. Paul emphasizes that. Let, let, let patience do its work. You may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. If you want a complete 
full life, put it all into the plan and purpose of God. That make sense? And sanctification, as we've said, is a process. It's a slow process by which we bring our life through prayer and our study of the word, our walk with God. We bring, we bring all of our life into the kingdom of God. We bring everything in our life to serve divine purpose because it naturally does not do that, correct? At least mine doesn't. And I don't think yours does either. It does not naturally go there. So, sanctification is reestablishing God's divine created purpose in your life, every dynamic of your life. It's returning our lives to biblical norms and bringing our entire lives into the realm of the kingdom of God. Now, I think you begin with page five on your notes. Did I print those out correctly? All right. What parts of my life does God want to be sanctified? Now, here again, look this way, and, and I'm going to be a broken record for a little while, okay? You know what a, most of you don't know what a broken record Anybody heard a broken record? If you don't ever have, how, how many of you have ever had a record player? Well, you know about that. And sometimes it gets off the groove and goes, bump, 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 and it just repeats, stays in the same groove all the time. And, 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 and you, you, you have, well, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in the same, I'm going to stay in the same groove, groove on this thing. The big difficulty that we have is in our way of thinking. And if your thinking is wrong, your life will be wrong. We think of our lives in terms of this is God and this is not God. This is secular. This is a necessary part of my life, but this is not a spiritual part of my life. This, this is a, a, a secular part of my life, but this is the spiritual part of my life. When I get up and I have devotions, that's spiritual. When I go to church, that's spiritual. And, and we, we dissect our lives. But a Christian walks on holy ground 100% of the time. In fact, I, I, I encourage Christians, if you're going through great struggle in your life, take your shoes off like Moses did. You're walking on sacred ground. God is doing something in your life. If you're going through some real hardship, God is doing something in your life. Take your shoes off. It's sacred. It's not financial, it's sacred. All of life is sacred. Not some of it. There is no secular and sacred with the believer. Everything is sacred. Everything is. Everything can be done for the glory of God. So what parts of my life does God want to be sanctified? All right, let's take a look at the middle of that page on page five on your notes. And we go to A, my body. That's my physical body. Now, there, on B, it's my soul. C, it's my spirit. Okay. Uh, man is tripartite. He's body, soul, and spirit. My body is my contact with an external world. My soul is my contact within myself. It's my self-communication. It, it's my self-feeling. It's, it's, it's my, the parts of my being all communicating within myself. And my spirit is my contact with God. Those three things. 
Now, my body is very important. We are, we are living in a sensual age. Look this way for just a moment. We are, look, we are living in an age of immorality. We are living in an age where the human body is not respected, nor honored, nor revered. Every part of your being you need to treat with reverence and respect. Can I get personal? Am I allowed to do that? Uh, that means you look in the mirror and you don't say, I don't like what I see. That's irreverent. You're looking at what God designed. You look at your height. We've got some guys that are tall, some that are short, some that are stout, some that are wiry. Ladies have all different kinds of physical makeups. Your body was designed by God in eternity past. Your body is very important. Very important. It needs to be dealt with with respect. You need to honor the person that God... Wait a minute. You need to honor the body that God gave to you. I find myself, I'm a very unhappy, I, I'm, I'm a, well, I'm fussy. I found myself several times this week not liking the food that was set before me. And at the hotel that I stayed with when I was up with my son Delbert, they they, they, they had this stuff, they called it sausage, but it tasted like cardboard. I've, I've had more delicious cardboard. It was awful. It was dry. It was tough. I slathered it in butter and gravy and I was able to somehow get it down. But I said to myself, now look, that piece of sausage is God's provision for you for right now. God provided that for you. What are you doing with God's provision? How come you're poor mouthing God's provision? We look at our bodies and things about them we don't like. That's not reverence. We don't take care of them. We don't treat them right. And my body. So look at First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body. Here he lists those three. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without what? Blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are to be sanctified in all of your dynamic, all of your parts of your being. Now, I'm going to go someplace and may the Lord give me great wisdom, wisdom here. We are living in a day in a day that gender and sexual perversion and all kinds of stuff is going on 
wholesale. When you read Genesis, God made the human body. He made the male body. He made the female body. Without the two of them, there could never be any procreation. There could never be any children. You've got to have a male body and a female body. And along with these bodies go various functions. God made man for relationships between male and female. In fact, in the Hebrew language, the male and female are graphic in their description of the difference between the two genders. And so we become intimidated because, because the proper use of the physical body in relationships almost doesn't exist anymore as far as the cultural norms are concerned. And it's as if we're old-fashioned and out of touch with reality. But God made, be fruitful, multiply. How could you do this if you didn't have a female body or a male body? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. He didn't say go and have a good time with sex at a nightclub. That's not what it was made for. It wasn't made for shacking up with somebody. It wasn't made for going off to a rock and roll concert and doing all kinds of things. It wasn't made for that. It was made for relationships. Special relationships. With special results. God knew what he was doing. And we need to honor every function of your human body is sacred. That is, it's created for divine purpose. Every function. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. So, may the Lord encourage you to honor your body. Now, there's a note here. Our bodies are the dwelling place of whom? This is amazing. Please help me. I, I've lost my place in the notes. Find it, if you will. Follow along. There's a note there. What does it say? Our bodies are what? What are they? What are our bodies? Uh, they are the dwelling place of whom? Holy Spirit of God. Now, Our bodies are the vessel through which God has ordained to, number one, publicly manifest his presence. Number two, to do his works. Number three, to redeem man to men to himself and to receive worship unto himself, a temple. So your body is not garbage. It is not trash. It's not something you have to tolerate. And of course, sin has put the curse on us. And so... We're going to wait to heaven to get rid of all of this stuff that afflicts us, or afflicts us, all of our afflictions in life. All of us, most of us have something physically we're dealing with because, because things are not working the way they should. 
But our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. And not only does this give us the idea that, that we need to keep our bodies as a fitting, a fitting residence, a fitting residence for the Holy Spirit of God. But we need to understand that God the Holy Spirit lives in us and he is God our enabler. He's God our helper. He's not just there to check up on us. Most people get the idea God is just like somebody is like Santa Claus with a, with a baseball bat and following you around to see when you're naughty and nice. That's not it. God not only is there to help you to see what is right, but he is there to enable you to do what is right. He's enable you. He, he's there to enable you to control what functions you have. He's there. He made you. He is not surprised with, how you, with what happens and how you respond to things. That's no surprise to God. He set it up in the first place. Now my soul is my contact within myself. And here, here the, the mind becomes, becomes very key and very, very important. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say that no man is ever able to rise any higher than he's able by the grace of God to think. And managing your emotions, managing your thoughts, this, this is a real challenge, a real challenge for the believer. My soul is my contact within myself. If we, are, if we, live, if we, if we have bitterness in our life, we're not managing things right in our life. That bitterness will infect everything we do in life. And it will destroy our joy and our peace and fruitfulness. It, 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 it will destroy our relationships. This is, uh, our, our thought processes, our emotions are to be brought into the purposes of God. Now, your spirit is your contact with God and, and sanctification here involves, other, among other things, the renewal of our mind. Go to 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. Everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude because it is sanctified. That means it's placed into divine purpose by the word of God and prayer. Now, take, are you, have you got your eyes fixed on that verse? I want you to look at that verse. Fix your eyes on that. I want to read through it. For most of the things in life created by God are good. Everything created by God is what? Okay, is good. Nothing to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. It's sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. The note at the bottom, these are all sanctified. They're brought into the realm of divine purpose by the word of God and prayer. Everything that you can legitimately do has divine purpose and therefore can be done to the glory of God. It can be done to the glory of God. The greatest joy in life is knowing that God is smiling. Could there be any greater joy in your life than to know that God is looking at you and smiling? Huh? Could there be any greater joy? than to know that God is looking at you and he's smiling. Wow. Do things to the glory of God. Put a smile on God's face. 
take some of this, could I say this? Take some of this horrible stuff that's going on in your world and just turn it upside down on its head and make it glorify God and then let God smile. Let him see him smile. Take this thing at work that just won't straighten out and, and just ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God and turn it upside down for the glory of God. Don't give way to your flesh. Don't get angry and hateful and revengeful. Turn it upside down on his head and let God smile. Let God smile. It's so, so important. Now, what is involved in sanctification? Top of page six. Well, complete withdrawal from all that is unholy. That is, the culture, not the people of the age in which we live. Sanctification is much greater in scope than just living a good life and doing the will of God. It's cutting off all of the things that are damaging and harmful and sinful and wrong. Just cutting them off from your life. Being intolerant toward those things. There's a positive and a negative. And by the way, the note there, let's take a look there on the note. We are called out of the world into the kingdom of God. And then we are sent back into the world as emissaries of the kingdom of light. Okay? This is one of the great purposes of sanctification. It puts our life entirely to the glory of God, shining as a light in a dark, sinful age. There's a positive and a negative, and Paul describes this in Romans 6. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented, that is, you placed at the disposal of, you placed your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. So now, place at the disposal of, place, present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Now you'll note at the, uh, under that, slavery to something or someone is totally unavoidable. We cannot avoid this moral choice. And the results are dramatically different. The, ah, you're awake? I want to ask you a question. What is the difference between slavery to impurity and lawlessness and slavery to righteousness? What is the difference between those two slaveries? Because everybody lives to one extent or another in slavery to something. Now what's the difference between the two? Can you help me? I'm in trouble. I forgot. On purpose. What is the difference between the two? Are you alert? Those who live in slavery to impurity and lawlessness experience a slavery that is contrary to their will. It is forced on them. It leaves them with no choice. When you get on drugs... 
your slavery is not voluntary, it's involuntary. The slavery to sin and impurity is always involuntary. It looks good up front and then you get stuck in it and you can't get away from it, right or wrong. It's, it's involuntary, okay? The slavery to righteousness is opposite of that. It's voluntary slavery because you choose it. And if you choose it, you're really living in freedom. Did you catch that? Huh? Did you catch that? If you're involuntary, if you're in a state of involuntary slavery, there's no freedom at all. But if you choose righteousness, it's a voluntary slavery. You have, I'm going to live this way. And that's where you experience joy and freedom in your life. Paul said in Galatians, it's for freedom that you were called. God called us to freedom. Freedom. Now, freedom is a voluntary slavery because you live in slavery to something. Something governs your life, correct? Righteousness will govern your life. Or sin and impurity will govern your life. But something will govern your life. Now, the question is, is your slavery, is your servitude... Is it involuntary or is it voluntary? And if it's voluntary, you're living in freedom. How many of you are so sorry you chose the right thing and you want to get away from it, but you just, you're so habit forming and doing the right thing, you just, you just are forced to do it now? How many feel that way? There's not one of us experiences that in our Christian life. But I was asked you, how many of you have had sinful habits in your life and you wished and prayed for years to get rid of them because you couldn't and you wanted out of it and it was involuntary and it was a mess and there was guilt and all this kind All of us have been there. All of us have been there. Sanctification brings us into freedom, not slavery, not involuntary slavery. It brings us into freedom. Can you see this? And this is the... When freedom from sin is a wonderful thing. When the Lord grants it in your life. So, let's take a look. Slavery to something or someone is totally unavoidable. We cannot avoid the moral choice. The results are dramatically different. Now, Romans 6.22. But now having been freed from sin, now notice, enslaved to God. The one is involuntary and the other is voluntary. Can you see that? You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. And what is the outcome of this? It's life. It's eternal life. It's a life builder. It's not a life destroyer. It's a life enhancer. Not a, not a life ruination like sin is. I had a Unusual experience, where was it? Somebody asked me if I smoked, and I shocked the lady. I think it was at the hotel. She had no, no smoking in the hotel. I said, oh, ma'am, don't worry about me. I haven't smoked even one cigarette in all my life. She looked at me. I said, you know, when I was a teenager, everybody I knew that smoked wanted to quit. 
And I decided that if everybody wanted to quit, why should I get a habit that everybody was trying to quit? That didn't make sense to me. Voluntary and involuntary. See, voluntary and involuntary. So the outcome of this choice of being a slave to righteousness is eternal life. That means every part of your life can be lived for the glory of God and can, you can take it with you when you die. You can stuff it in your casket and take it with you. You can't do that with your sins. You can't do that with your money. But you sure can do that with, your, with the things you've done for the glory of God. You take them all with you. Take them all with you. So, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now Hebrews 9, if the blood and bull, of bulls and goats, the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. Now this is the Old Testament sacrifice. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. A death-dealing life that, that hurts everybody. Sin, sin destroys everything it touches. Yes or no? It's death-dealing. But the Spirit of God is life-giving. The Spirit of God is life-giving. Dead works to serve the living God. 2 Timothy 2.21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. So, sanctification produces a life that is honoring and serving to the living God and that is eternal in its benefits. Then, at the bottom of the page, Jesus Christ himself is our example but I'm going to stop before I get there because if I go there, then we are on another situation here. Jesus Christ himself is our example. I'm amazed. You study the Gospels. You, you, you study the life of Christ. You read all the teachings about him in the New Testament. And, and uh, but, but his approach to life, to the problems and difficulties of life, his way of honoring God in his life in a wicked culture in which he lived, just never ceases to astound and amaze me. And we'll talk a little about that when we come to, come to this one. The, the, the sanctified life is a blessed life. Would you say the life of the Lord Jesus was a blessed life? Would you say that? Would you? Would you say that everywhere he went, people were blessed because of him? Not cursed, but blessed. Yeah? And, and so a sanct- the, result, the result of a sanctified life is very desirous if you measure it in terms of how it blesses the lives of other people. It's not only profitable for you, it's profitable for everybody else in your world. Yes? That it is. So may the Lord encourage your hearts, draw near to God, Ingest the Word of God. Have the, have the Word of God renew your mind day by day. Walk with God in prayer. And may I say this now? I want to be very, very careful. This business of sanctification is a life process of growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Did you hear me? You don't get sanctified by having some charismatic experience. Your life is gradually, bit by bit, totally transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit of God as you walk with God, His Word is a part of your life, fellowship with the saints is a part of your life. You, you get all the encouragement you possibly can, and we all need a lot of that, say. And so this matter of sanctification is a slow, gradual, lifelong process. And I will assure you at my age, I have got a long way to go. But I will assure you that this journey has been unbelievably blessed. And that, I think, pleases God. I think that makes him smile. So the question is, before we sing, question is, have you given your whole life? Do you reckon every day? Every day I give my whole life to God. Every day. In fact, twice a day, morning and night. I want God to have my whole life and my whole world. I don't want anything left out. So we need to consciously place, put, put everything in our world in the kingdom of God. Daily we need to consciously do that. And then some of it escapes, and then we have to go collect it and bring it back in the next day. And, and, but, but it's a process of growing. And if you've been a Christian for 10 years and you've done any growing at all, you've, not, never, you've never felt like you've arrived, you've never felt like you've succeeded, but you look back and you say, wow, I've come a long way. Yes or no? Come a long way. It's been a hard journey, but we've come a long way.